0: I'm very thankful to be here in your midst it's a great blessing it's a privilege also to be able to serve you in this day um i feel inadequate for this i know there is many senior uh, senior elders um i'm the newest um though i don't look very young <laughs> you can see we're all kind of challenged in the uh, in our hair we're equal equal ups here up here so um that's just a sign of uh, where we're at today but god is not uh God is not a respecter of persons, and He can work through each and every one of us in ways that we've heard. Even in the Bible class this morning, He has uh, when He calls. Um, his grace is sufficient, and so let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful to have this opportunity to come to thy house of worship to gather with many new, many new souls, many new brothers and sisters that have never met before. We thank the Heavenly Father for the things that we don't even know. For we know that in, in heaven above, we'll be joined with such a host of saints that we can't even imagine. We're so thankful, Heavenly Father, for the fellowship that we have, that we can come together from far and near, even down in this, on this earth, in this time in which we live, and join together in fellowship and joining our hearts with those of a like precious faith we thank the heavenly father for this faith is only offered through jesus christ thy son that died on the cross for us we're so thankful heavenly father for this gift we're unworthy of and as we come before the heavenly father with this word that we're about to read we pray Heavenly father that it would minister unto us that spiritual manna the exhortation the awareness of who we are, and how precious the gift that we have received. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would uh, speak to each and every one of us, both individually and collectively, that we would grow in thee, grow in a closer walk with thee. And bless Heavenly Father to be receptive to the word and to not only to hear the word, but to apply it to our lives. Be in our midst, Heavenly Father, be thou our strength. May thy Holy Spirit speak boldly. This we pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. i <clears throat> start with God's help, uh, God inspired me through to, uh, to read from a portion of scripture this morning from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 15. I desire to read uh, up to and including the 28th verse. Then came Jesus Jesus, to Jesus, scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me." But in vain do they wor- do, uh, do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the multitude and said to them, Hear and understand. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth the man, but that which cometh out of the, the mouth, this defileth the man. Then came his disciples and said to him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended, after they heard this saying? But he answered and said. Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. If the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable. Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding? Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in the mouth goeth into the belly, And is cast out into the draft. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. She said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. This account that that we've read of this morning, actually two parts of it, really give us a contrast of identity. As we consider what was written in this chapter here, many, many thoughts run through my mind. And the first time I read this, I've read this for many years, I'm sure many of us have. What is it that really stands out to us in this particular scripture? Why are these two scriptures together in the same chapter? You know, often as I read through the, through the Gospels, there is contrast there that really bring out the they highlight, the differences of the heart. And we heard so much in, uh, this morning in the Bible class about the, the, the state of the heart and our commitment, whether we do something through routine or whether it really has a meaning. And there's a question that really comes out to me that I, as I read through these this this portion of scripture, and this this question is asked can be asked many ways. I'm sure it's been asked to us many ways. It can be asked in a way that's um, maybe with sarcasm, matter of fact, be rhetorically. It can also be subconsciously. Who do you think you are? And how many times have you heard that question? And it could be phrased different ways. Who do you think you are? Or who am I? As we consider what was written here, who did these individuals think that they were? And how does that reflect in our lives? You know, we heard so much this morning about, the, about Eli, about Samuel. Who did they think they were? Did they really understand and if we think about uh, who, you know, where we were born, we really had have no control when we were born, to whom we were born, whether we would be short, tall. We didn't know we, whether we'd have a lot of siblings, whether it be the only child. We really didn't have any control or any, over any of that. Neither do we have control over our last day when, when we will leave this body. There's so much that's out of our control. And yet, sometimes we look at our circumstance to think how fortunate or unfortunate we are. And that can actually hinder us or help us. And that's a contrast we see here. We consider these that, uh, that Jesus is speaking to who did they think they were? And were they clear in their thinking? And that's really what, what jumps out at me here because the, the, those that, uh, that felt that they had something had a sense of entitlement. And those that knew clearly that they didn't have anything were begging. And they were willing to see themselves for who they really were. And that's something that has really struck me um, throughout my life, constantly looking back at where I've come from, reminding myself, how did I get where I'm at today? Was it really of myself? Was it my ability? Was it because I was fortunate? Was it because I was entitled? Um, something I, I was given something very special? And we can all find um, things, aspects of our life that really we can be thankful for. Other things we, we, can, uh, we might think, well, this is unfortunate. I had uh, dealt a very, very um, difficult hand of cards, so to speak. But do we really look at the opportunities that these things afford us? If we think about the, who the Jews were, these Pharisees, they, they had a sense of an entitlement. They were the children of Abraham. They considered themselves as the followers of Moses. But did they really know God? And that was brought up this morning in Bible class as well. Do we really know God? Do we know His voice? Do we hear His voice? And we know the Jews in the time of Jesus Christ, they did not have a relationship with, with God. They felt like God was someone very distant, someone that um, was very um, judgmental, someone that would come down hard if they erred from the the way of the Mosaic Law. And so they had an idea of who they had to be. So it was was so much from the outside. They had to um, follow through with their washing of the hands and the things they added to the Mosaic Law to make themselves, maybe justify themselves more. And in their own minds, they were good. And anybody that didn't do what they were doing was not good. If we consider the, 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 uh, their, their heart, uh, their life, their relationship, it was all very shallow. There was really no depth to it. And Jesus knew the hearts. And it's, to, me, to me, it's amazing his words are so direct. And we can see this over and over again, all the way into Revelation in chapters two and three of Revelation, where Jesus speaking to John, is telling him directly about the seven churches, very directly. This is what they have. This is what they don't have. This is what they need. And Jesus is no different here. He's telling them who they are, ye hypocrites, calling them out for what they are, because he could see right through the facade. And there was really not much more to their lives than this facade, as we go through this, we see the frustration and how he's calling them out on the things that they thought made themselves holy and righteous. But he brought out their hypocrisy, how the things that they were even saying, they were going against what God really wanted from them because they did not have a relationship. And there was a concern about the, of the, the people of the, of the Pharisees that you know, they, were, they had power. And there was, there was concern that these men were offended. Then came his disciples and said unto him, knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? He really didn't pay much attention to that. He knew that they either had value, as we heard value about about value in this morning, or they didn't have value. If they were not willing to see themselves for who they really were, they were blind. And we know we can read at the end of uh, John chapter 8, where the, the Pharisees asked um, Jesus, are we blind also? He says, if, if you say you see, then you're blind. It's when we realize how little we see and how little we know that our eyes are opened. I had an experience early on as a, um, as a mechanic, probably maybe third or, third or fourth year into, into mechanics, and there was a realization I had one day. It was an epiphany. It hit me, and it was, it was very humbling how little I knew I came to that realization finally that when I thought I knew something, I really didn't, and that humbled me. And I knew at that point how much I did know. And that is a sign when you get to a point where you realize how little you know, you're getting somewhere. You're actually making progress. Your ability to to acknowledge that is, is, is a huge step forward, and it's a hindrance to think that you've got it all figured out. And these Pharisees thought they had it all figured out. They knew; they thought they knew exactly what God wanted from them. They knew how to please God and how that they would be um, potentially received into, into the heavenly kingdom. It depends on what they what they thought of that time. Um, I know we know the Pharisees believed in the resurrection; the Sadducees did not. So they had some understanding of of what they wanted, but they really didn't know how to get there because they were blind. If we contrast this to to this second portion here, where an outsider, uh, as it says here, a woman of Canaanite, uh, we can read in, in the Gospel of Mark that I think she was called a Syrophoenician woman, that she had a great need. She had no pretense. She had no facade. She had no pride. What she did have is a need, a great need, and when she knew that Jesus was there, she pursued Him in ways that was wholehearted. She didn't make any, um, she didn't make any excuses or, or um, hold back at all. She knew what she wanted. Her daughter was in a great need. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But we see here that Jesus did not answer her word. And we see that the, I think the the disciples were a little little bit embarrassed. Like, can't you even acknowledge her need? And what did he say? Send her away. Well, they said, send her away, uh, for she cried after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of of the house of Israel. Was Jesus hard-hearted? You know, he can be misinterpreted as that. And we can read in, in John chapter six, where where when the, the mob came to to take him by force to make him a king, that he gave him a dose of reality, something that was hard for them to understand. When he says, you know, you must uh, eat my flesh and drink my blood, and how that instantly turned everybody against him. Many were offended, and we see here the concern was of offending human beings, to offend the heart of man. But Jesus was after the heart, the heart of man, the heart each and every one of our hearts. I am not sent but into the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but she still came and worshiped. I'm saying, Lord, help me. Her desperation was clear, and that was more important than her pride about what he would say about who she was. And we see, this, we see this in many places. You know, we can read in, in John chapter 4 about Samaritan woman at the well there that he called her out on her lifestyle. He called her out on who she really was and who the Samaritans were. You know, we are the Jews. We know who we worship. Ye worship, ye know not what. But that didn't stop her because what she wanted from Jesus was more important than her own feelings, her own pride, She wanted to know more, much as this woman would not be deterred. Jesus knows how to speak to the heart. He'll call us out. But how do we respond when he calls us out on our life? When he shows us the truth, when we see the ugliness, when the light exposes us for who we really are, do we turn and run? Do we hide? Do we go back into the darkness? That woman at the well did not. She wanted to know more. What he had to offer was more important than her own feelings and pride. And we see that the, 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 the words of Jesus dug in deeper. It is does not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. How many of us would have turned around that, that point and been offended and said, I'm wasting my time here. He doesn't really want to hear me. He doesn't care about me. What would it take, and what's our breaking point? At what point would we say, like, I've had had enough, I've heard enough? But we see the response of this woman, and it humbles me. Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. She didn't deny; she was willing to be treated as a dog called a dog. To be put down as the lowest of the low, if her daughter would be her, her daughter would be healed, it was all worth it. And what did Jesus say, O woman, great is thy faith, be unto thee even as thou wilt. Jesus encountered faith in the least likely places I'm going to read in I believe it's uh, Luke chapter 7, where the that centurion, a man of Roman authority, having authority over 100 soldiers, knew his place. He knew Jesus' place and had full faith that Jesus could heal from a distance and did not feel worthy that Jesus would come under his, his roof to heal his servant. And that really stopped Jesus in his tracks. He marveled. He marveled at the faith of the centurion. Does he marvel at the lack of faith of these Pharisees? Does he marvel at the lack of faith that we might display at times? How many times did God call us before we responded? How many times has he called you and you have not responded. And what does that say about my faith, about your faith? You know, faith is something that we act upon when we have it. And it's something that grows. You know, I think about uh, Thomas, Thomas Didymus, when he said that after he was missing, when, the, when Jesus appeared unto the, unto the disciples there. He says, unless I touch the holes in his hand... His pure side, I will not believe. And When Jesus did appear, he says, you touched, you, you've seen. But blessed are those that have not and believe. Our faith has strengthened, it's bolstered. We act upon the calling. And we heard this morning about Samuel's calling and how if he had that full faith, if he had the full understanding, he would, he, he would know how to respond and he did at some point, but it took a little while. Do we respond to the leading of the Spirit? Do we respond to God's calling? You know, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm always amazed about when I read about Apostle Paul's journeys where he knew. He knew when he was being hindered from going forward that he had to stop. He had to wait. He had to listen. He had to be redirected, and he was open to that. He wasn't self-directed, self-willed. He, he could justify wherever he was going. But the reality, unless he was listening, he would not be able to know where to go. And finally, he got that vision, and he saw that man, Macedonia, saying, please come help us. And what did he do? Immediately, he knew where to go. He didn't dilly-dally, he didn't, dilly-dally, didn't, hint, he didn't uh, wait. He had a directive, he had the vision, and he moved forward. Is that a pattern for our lives today? Or do we wait for, for, for things to be hammered into us? Where we, we try to ignore it, we try to um, delay, drag our feet, thinking maybe someone else will do what we're called to do. Do we have the faith to follow through? Is our self-will leading us, or have we humbled ourselves to realize that we are just a vessel, a tool in God's service, and that if we purify ourselves and keep ourselves from iniquity, from sin, then God can use us? Is that our concern? Is that our thoughts? The Pharisees were worried about the appearance Of washing the hands and this purification process. But the point that Jesus made was it wasn't what was going in and working its way back out. It's what came from the heart. We can read in Jeremiah chapter 17, where Jeremiah really made clear about our heart. Can we really trust our heart? It's desperately wicked. Who can know it? What does it say? What does it say about God and our heart? To turn to Jeremiah chapter 17, it says of the heart, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But this is what God does. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. When we think in those terms, that God is always searching our hearts, the intent of the heart, our obedience to Him. Does that qualify us or disqual- disqualify us from His service? And do are we really concerned? You know we can read it in Psalm 139, where, where David's calling out to God, "Search me." Are we willing to be searched? And I love that psalm. I love the, the verses of, of, of that psalm. It is—it's uh, so powerful. It's—it's a—it's um, opening up ourselves to God, to be sorted through. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Is that our thought from day to day? Is that our waking thought? Search me today. Know me. Try the reins. Search my heart. Purify me. Remove that iniquity that has been that has that, that, that seed, that root that's starting to grow. Are we willing to be vulnerable to God? That's one of the, mo- the most powerful experiences I've ever had when I asked God to search me to see if there's any iniquity in me. It didn't take long before situations came to my heart that I wasn't even aware of. Something that I had maybe written off, something I had um, excused myself of, something that I, I, I belittled. It's not that big of a deal. But did I ever asked God? And when I did ask God, and he showed me, this is what you need to fix. Then I had a, a true question. Did, did I really mean it when I wanted God to search my heart? Was I really willing to respond to the, to the truth that God would show me What would I do with that? You know, it may seem like an honorable thing to say, God, search me. You you might think you're good, like the Pharisees did. But the reality is, when you really mean it, God will show you things, things that were not even on your radar, as He did to me. And through that experience, it humbled me, but it also drew me so much closer to God. And that's when we start understanding how uh, the writings and the Psalms of, of, of David, how he was a man after God's own heart, because he was willing not only to be searched, but he took it to heart and acted upon that. He took it very seriously, and he knew how to repent. And that's all that's that's being asked of us. When there's something to repent of, put your heart into it, repent completely. And we see that so many times in Revelation chapters two, two and three. Where the, the end of that that portion for that church saying, Repent. Repent. There's an opportunity to, to restore that relationship you have with your Heavenly Father. There's a there's an opportunity to grow closer to Him, to be more useful, that you would not be excluded, that you would not be disqualified from God's service and ultimately from His kingdom. Are we willing to see ourselves for who we really are? We need to ask ourselves daily, who am I? Who do I think I am? Does it align with, with what God thinks of us? Who are we aligned with? Do we align ourselves with Christ? I had a conversation yesterday a little bit about uh, Philippians chapter three where Apostle Paul had in his heart After all he had gone through, he wasn't complete yet. He was a work in progress. There was things that he had not reached to the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He had not attained to that when he he wrote that epistle. We have not attained to that. But that's our goal. And the only way we can reach that goal is to align ourselves with the footsteps in the image of Jesus Christ, to be aligned with his suffering, his faithfulness, his compassion, his loyalty to the Father, the obedience is what we're called to to be, the obedient children of the living God. And when we're corrected, exhorted, that we would take it to heart as King David did a lot of preparation went into the, the preparation of, of David to become a king. And it started very early. And he knew how little he was in the sight of God. And as he stood before a great giant, as we know, the as he stood before Goliath, he knew his identity, he knew God's identity, and he knew that Goliath was could not stand before the living God. Who is this uncircumcised to defy the living God? When well, we have that confidence in our God, God's power is there with us. He prepares us each day, but do we allow ourselves to be taught, are we teachable? Are we willing to humble ourselves? Do we listen? And do we, when we hear, do we respond? That's our calling, that's our purpose, that's our goal. Do we know our purpose? Have we forgotten? We self-directed, self-willed, living for self? Are we looking for ways to glorify God's name? He sees, he knows. He helps us from day to day. We can't take a step without him. God's grace is sufficient for us every step of the way. We need to do our part. To be fit for the kingdom, to be fully, uh, fully involved in the service, we heard so much about how do we serve the Lord, in what way? What is our service to the Lord? Are we fully committed? Do we do it mindlessly? Are we on autopilot? Or are our eyes open? Otherwise, we're blind. We can walk as blind. The Spirit will open our eyes if we're willing to be led. God's given us a lot to work with. And there's much more that he can bless us with if we're willing to use what we've been given to his honor and glory. God bless you, words.